Am I on back there? I hear me, so I must be. Let's look together this morning. Excuse me. Let's look together this morning in Matthew's Gospel, chapter number 7. Now, preacher, you pray for me, because I want to preach this just like it is on the wall of my mind. So you pray for me. Well, we'll find out here in a minute, won't we? Matthew's Gospel, chapter number 7. Now, (coughs) excuse me. If you know anything about your Bible, you know that Matthew chapter 7 is a part of the first major message that Jesus ever preached. Many have called this the Sermon on the Mount. And in the midst of His first major message, look at what Jesus says in Matthew chapter 7 verse number 13. This is Jesus talking by the way. Enter ye at the straight gate. For wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leadeth to destruction. Now watch what he says after the comma. And many there be which go in thereat. Verse number 14, on the opposite side of that, Because straight is the gate, and narrow is the way which leadeth unto life, and few there be that find it. Preacher, would you ask the blessing this morning? Amen. Thank you so much. You can be seated. Jesus says in verse number 13 that there's a road that leads to destruction, preacher. And that road is very broad, it's very wide, and it's very heavily populated. Now if you look that word way up, you'll find that it gives the idea of a highway, Richard Good. It gives the idea of an interstate, a very populated road. Jesus said that there is a highway, if you will, that will lead you straight to a devil's hell. But there's also a road that will lead you to life everlasting. And may I say to you this morning, ladies and gentlemen, that everybody sitting in this room is on one of those two roads this morning. I do not care who you are. Jesus said that there is a highway that leads to hell, Benny. So with that thought in mind this morning, ladies and gentlemen, excuse me, I want to borrow your imagination, if I may please, and take you to an overpass on a populated highway, spiritually speaking. I want to preach this morning on this subject, if I may please, of the highway to hell. The highway... To hell. If Jesus said that broad is the way and many are on that road, we would be very naive, preacher, to think that everybody sitting under the sound of my voice is going to heaven when they die. The only hope we have, ladies and gentlemen, is to listen to the instructions from the Word of God and to be put on the other road that leads to life everlasting. So today, if I may please, I'd like to borrow your imagination. Let's go to the overpass that's overlooking the broad road. The overpass that's looking this highway to hell. I can imagine standing on the overpass overlooking multiple lanes of traffic. We notice that all the vehicles, Joanne, are going in the same direction. Sixteen lanes of traffic, bumper to bumper. But little do they know that they're on the road of which there is no return. I noticed something else on the highway to hell, Becky. None of these vehicles have headlights on. Because they're all in the dark. I notice on the highway to hell, Doretta, that there's no road signs. There's no warnings. There's no rest areas. There's no emergency lanes. There's no policemen. 
on the highway to hell because there is no law, ladies and gentlemen, on the road to hell. There's nothing on the highway to hell that would advise you of safety and to slow down because the faster you get there, the happier the devil is. Say amen right there. You're on a road of no return. 16 lanes of traffic all headed the same direction and not one automobile is facing in the other direction, preacher. So I want to show you a few of those vehicles, if I may please, if I may borrow your imagination. I want to show you some of the most populated vehicles, if you will, that the devil's using in our world today to transport people on the road to destruction, on the highway to hell. You might be here this morning, and you might be on the road to hell, and you might be having the time of your life, but can I tell you, sir, can I tell you, ma'am, that your good time will be over one day. Payday will come one day, ma'am. Payday will come one day, sir. And you're going to pay for your good time and for your party. Let me show you just a few things real quickly. Number one, (coughs) excuse me. As we stand on the overpass overlooking the highway to hell, we notice a vehicle's coming. Now wait a minute. This has to be a mistake, preacher. Surely this vehicle that I'm looking at doesn't belong on the road to destruction. That can't be right. This is the highway to hell. And I look at the car as it's approaching the overpass and I look inside and there sits a handsome man with a suit on. Sitting next to him in the passenger seat is a beautiful wife with a long dress on. Uh, There's got to be a mistake. I see Bibles sitting on the dashboard while the car's approaching. Surely this isn't right. Surely this is a mistake. Surely somebody with a Bible isn't on the road to hell. These people are dressed up. They're just coming from church. I say to myself, something's wrong. Somebody's got these people on the wrong road. They can't be going to hell. But as the car whizzes underneath the overpass, we turn around and we read the license plate, brother. And it says, number one, this is the car of religion. Oh, they look good. They carry a Bible. They dress right. They go to church on Sunday. But ladies and gentlemen, going to church and having religion has never got anybody off the road to destruction. Religion always has been an enemy of the cross. As a matter of fact, it was religion, Brother Bobby Stamey, that put Jesus on the cross. It was religion that was birthed by the devil in the bellies of hell. Religion is just enough to satisfy your conscience. Soothe your mind and get you to think you've got just enough to go to heaven when you die. But you hear me and you hear me well. I don't care what church you go to. I don't care how faithful you are. I don't care who baptized you. I don't care how many times you've read your Bible through from cover to cover. I don't care how good you dress. If you bypass Jesus, if you've never been born again, you're religious but you're lost and it's impossible for you to go to heaven when you die. Say amen, sir. Listen to me now. Do you know how many church steeples I passed on the way to church this morning? I'm talking every kind of denomination, every kind of flavor. I mean, we live in a part of the country where there's a church of every shape, every size, on every corner of the road. Amen? Amen? They've all got a denomination. They've all got a religion. 
They've all been baptized. And all of them are members. But little do they know that all their religious garb will only hasten their trip to hell if they don't know Jesus. Salvation has never been in blocks. It's never been in mortar. It's never been in sheetrock. Salvation's never been in a church facility. It's never been in a monk. It's never been a priest. It's never been in a preacher. Salvation's never been in a denomination or a creed or a covenant or a denomination. Ladies and gentlemen, I submitted to you this morning that salvation is in Jesus and it's in Jesus alone. It always has been Jesus. It always shall be Jesus. You say, well, you've got your way and I've got mine. Well, I've got news for you, sir. There's only one way. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father. No man gets on the straight and narrow road. No man gets to heaven. But by me is what Jesus said. That's what Jesus said. And if you miss Jesus, if you miss that, if you miss the cross, you'll go to hell in your religion. This morning, ladies and gentlemen, I don't care what church you're a member of. I went to school with a Catholic. And I'm not going to get off on a tangent on what people believe, but I've got a problem with anybody who wants to get in a dark closet with a papa that dresses like a mama. Say amen, ma'am. And tell them my deepest, darkest secrets. I, I got a problem with that. I, I mean, but I liked him. <clears throat> he was a good boy. He used to talk about going to mess or mass or whatever they call it. And I said, let me ask you a question. How do you know that you've been forgiven by God? How, how do you know that you're going to go to heaven when you die? He said, oh, I know I'm going to heaven. He said, I went to mass this morning and I ate a wafer. I said, man, I don't care if you went to mass this morning and ate a waffle. That doesn't mean that you're going to go to heaven when you die. You're not going to heaven, <coughs> excuse me, because you eat a cookie on Sunday morning. You're going to heaven because of what Jesus did on the cross, or you're not going at all. I say to you this morning, ladies and gentlemen, don't miss heaven by embracing religion. You want to know why the Sadducees and the Pharisees hated Jesus so much? Excuse me. It was because he told them that on the outside they looked like white tombs. They looked clean. They looked holy. They said the right things. They did the right things. They talked right. Hey, they even walked right. But Jesus said on the inside they were full of dead men's bones. They'd never met life. They were going to hell in their religion. You hear me and you hear me well, ladies and gentlemen. It's simple. Our message is simple this morning. It's Jesus or it's hell. It's Jesus or it's hell. That's the only opportunity a man, a woman, a boy, or a girl ever has to make it to heaven. Oh yeah, I'm talking about the vehicle of religion. Second of all, we're standing on the overpass on the highway to hell and here comes a limousine, Benny. <clears throat> What's a stretch limousine doing on the highway to hell? As it approaches the overpass, we notice it's probably a $170,000 stretch limousine. The individual in the back seat is enjoying the comfortable seats, the tinted windows, and all the best that money could buy. He's known all over the community. He's liked. He gives to charitable organizations and groups. He's a mason. 
He, he belongs to all the local organizations and clubs. He's been honored. The mayor's giving the key to the city. And as the limo flies underneath the overpass, we turn around and we look and we read the license plate, preacher. But it doesn't say this is the vehicle of religion. It says, number two, this is the vehicle of riches. Let me tell you, excuse me. Let me tell you what the devil's using to get people to hell. He's getting them so wrapped up in this world that they're not making preparations for the world to come. Luke chapter 16, the rich man did not go to hell because he was rich. People do not go to heaven because they're poor. And people do not go to hell because they're rich. That's heresy. That's never been in the Bible. That never shall be in the Bible. He went to hell because he was so involved in making money and getting ahead and prospering that he never took time to get, get right with God. i tell you what the devil's done. Lord, I'm going to get in trouble when I say this. The devil's opened up these 12-hour shifts and these swing shifts. And this seven days a week work. And I know how, I, I'm not stupid. I know people have to work. I know people need things seven days a week like nurses and things like that. I'm not stupid. I know some people don't have choices, Benny. I realize that. But what I'm saying is there's no respect for the Lord's day anymore. People are volunteering for overtime and they're signing up for double shifts and they don't take time to go to the house of God anymore and church isn't even a priority in people's lives anymore and they're so busy making money that little do they know, sir... They've worked their self to death for a dollar and your family's going to spend it before your carcass is even cold in the grave. Say amen right there. Let me tell you men something. Some of you men are so dumb. You're killing yourself and stacking up money and building up a big savings account and when you fall over dead, your wife is going to spend it on her new husband. Say amen, sir. Here's what Jesus said. Jesus said, lay up your treasures where moth does not corrupt. Now, I'm not against prosperity. I'm not. I don't care if you've got a house so big that when you and your wife fight, you can't find her for three months. That doesn't offend me. I don't care if you drive a limousine so big that it's got to have a hinge in the middle of it to turn, just to turn a corner. That doesn't offend me. There's, hey, thank God that He's blessed you. There's nothing wrong with having things, but are you listening to me? It is wrong when things have you. And the God of this world preacher is green. It's a dollar. It's cutthroat. It's do unto others before they do it unto you. I mean, I'm talking about from the White House to the poor house. All I mean, all you find is crooks. And I said it the other night, the only time that a politician's lying is when his lips are moving. And the only difference between a Republican and a Democrat is the way you spell sorry. And they're all crooks. This world, <coughs> excuse me, only has one thing on its mind. And it's accumulation, greed, money. And people have been so sidetracked by getting ahead that they've not not made preparations to leave it all behind and meet God one day, sir. You're going to leave everything you've got. You're going to leave everything you've ever worked for behind when you die one day, honey. 
what you're killing yourself for, you're going to leave it all behind when you die. You're going to die, and it's not going to matter. The only thing that is going to matter when you leave this world is whether you've known Jesus as your personal Savior. <coughs> Excuse me, y'all are killing me. You remember Luke chapter 12. There was a farmer who had a good crop that year. And he was going to build bigger barns to hold it all. <coughs> Excuse me. Now, preacher, if I understand the scripture, honey, I got a whole bottle right here. I'm going to. I'm going to have to slow down. Y'all are killing me this morning. Evidently, if I understand the scripture right, preacher, Brother Dennis, Brother Howard, you, you can correct me if I'm wrong after service. If I understand the scripture correctly, there had been a time in this man's life when wealth wasn't a part of his vocabulary. Evidently, in days gone by, before this story takes place, his fields hadn't done well for several years consistently. <clears throat> and all of a sudden, he's got a bumper crop. And I can imagine that he's probably drawing up blueprints and he's getting excited about bigger barns and how much money and wealth he's going to acquire. But you know the story. All of a sudden, death shows up and says, Thou fool, tonight thy soul is required of thee. Death said, You fool. You've been so preoccupied with making money you didn't even realize that this very night you were going to die. You can't take it with you. And it's not worth a dime. I heard a preacher tell a story about a man. He was a millionaire. His daughter was laying in the hospital dying of cancer, preacher. Preacher came to visit with him and pray with him. He grabbed the preacher by the hand. He said, preacher, this ain't right. He said, I've got four or five million dollars in the bank. He said, I've got a, I've got a $1.5 million home. I've got thousands of dollars worth of vehicles sitting out in the parking lot. But my daughter's a dime. And my wealth isn't worth a dime. Because she's a dime. <clears throat> The Bible says, seek ye first the kingdom of God. And all these other things shall be added unto you. You get your priorities straight. You let Jesus be first in every area of your life. Now don't let me lose you right here. But when you let Jesus be first in every area of your life, that means your finances too, sir. I've lost them, preacher, because I've been talking about money. There's a whole lot of people on the highway to hell today. Because of riches. Number three. Hey look preacher, here comes a motorcycle. Now I'm not against motorcycles, so don't get hung up there. Here he comes. Big old guy. He's got nasty, vulgar tattoos up and down his arms. He looks like he needs to be sprayed, dipped, and wormed. He looks like he hadn't had a bath uh, since he was declared human. His jeans are cut up, his boots are wore out, and his t-shirt says, Hell's angels. He's got a tattoo on his arm, Richard, that says, born to raise hell. And as the motorcycle thunders underneath the overpass, we turn around and we read the license plate, and it doesn't say this is the vehicle of religion. It doesn't say that this is the vehicle of riches. But number three, it says this is the vehicle of rebellion. Oh, God knows, preacher, this vehicle's being wore out. In the days we're living in. Everybody's living in a world of rebellion. Children don't want their parents telling them what to do. 
wives don't want their husbands trying to lead the home. Husbands don't want God to lead their lives. And I say to you this morning, it's rebellion from the schoolhouse all the way to the state penitentiary. People are gritting their teeth, pulling their hair and saying, bless God, you're not going to tell me what to do. (coughs) But I tell you this morning, ladies and gentlemen, rebellion is not a characteristic of a child of God. Ephesians chapter number 2 says, Before we were saved, we were children of disobedience. But the Bible's clear, Second Peter, that after we've been saved, we're called what? Obedient children. You show me somebody living a life of rebellion, and I'll show you somebody that's on the road to hell. Say amen right there. Let me tell you what the Bible said. The Bible said that rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft. Now, if you're going to sit there and tell me that somebody's living a life of rebellion and going to heaven, that's like sitting there and telling me that you believe that a witch can be saved and still practice witchcraft. Now, I know that Christians mess up and they get cold and they have to get right, they have to repent. I know that. I'm not stupid. But when the predominant attitude of your life is rebellion and all you think about is rebelling towards the truth, that's just a manifestation that you don't know the God of the Bible. I've never seen so much rebellion. Excuse me. In all my life. I don't even like to go to Walmart because I always see at least half a dozen kids I want to beat to death with a baseball bat. I saw a teenage punk the other day smart off to his mama and I thought unto God somebody ought to kick you in the seat of your britches bless God till your nose bleeds. Hey look up here mom and daddy let me help you or kill you one. Hey I'm talking to you. I've never seen it like this. Kids calling their daddy old man and calling their mama old lady and they're rebellious and they're disrespectful and they're mean and you ask them to take the garbage out and they act like you just asked them to donate a kidney. I mean, it just kills them to get up off the couch for 30 seconds just to empty the garbage. They say, well, I take it out all the time. Well, if you'd quit eating so much, bless God, there wouldn't be so much garbage. I've never seen so much rebellion Now listen to me mama, daddy Listen to me grandma, grandpa The bathrooms are broken, your car's blocked Let me go ahead and blow you out of the water real quick Some of you let your kids and your grandkids Get away with murder I said some of you let your kids And your grandkids Get away with murder You know what I'm talking about You let your kids and your grandkids get away with everything. You never put limitations on them. You never discipline them. You never discipline them. You want to be their friend instead of their parent or their grandparent. And then later on in life you wonder, well, why in the name of God are they giving me so much trouble? It's because they don't see you as an authority figure in their life, sir. They do not see you as authority in their life. And it's not their fault. Bless God, it's your fault. I'm talking about rebellion. This woman told her son, she said, sit down. He said, I don't want to sit down. Bless God, I wish I had him. I wish that crowd would have grown up at my house, preacher. Bless God, we didn't do timeout, we did knockout. 
only time my grandfather ever counted to 10 was the 10 seconds you, get, you had to get up off the floor before you got it again. Amen? Yeah. She said, sit down. He said, I don't want to sit down. She said, I said, sit down. He said, I don't want to sit down. She said, son, you just need to understand one thing. I'm going to do what it takes to get you to obey and to sit down. He said, I don't want to sit down. So she just walked over, grabbed him by the shoulders and pushed him down in a chair. He said, uh-huh. She said, uh-huh. You're sitting down now, ain't you? He said, I might be sitting down on the outside. Are you listening? He said, I might be sitting down on the outside. But he said, I just want you to know I'm standing up on the inside. Boy, isn't that the society we're living in? You want to know what's wrong with our world today? They might look like they're sitting down on the outside, but on the inside they're filled with rebellion. I'm not trying to be mean. I'm not trying to be negative. I'm just a realist. And we're dealing with a group of people, both young and old, who are rebelling against the Word of God. And they may look good on the outside, but on the inside they're full of rebellion. Hey, I tell you where your rebellion's going to take you, honey. It's going to take you straight to hell. I say to you, there's a whole lot of people this morning that are on the highway to hell and they're driving in the vehicle of rebellion. Number four, excuse me. Here comes a car. It's all tore up, preacher. The doors are flapping in the wind, the bumpers are falling off. The engine's smoking. It's a banging and a knocking. It's beat up. I mean, it's dragging something underneath. My goodness, why would somebody take something that's so beat up and tore up and nasty on the road to hell? Matter of fact, it kind of reminds me of a Baptist. It's been out of shape and makes a lot of noise. Say amen. Amen. All of a sudden, the car's banging and it's smoking. (coughs) Excuse me. And it sounds like it's about to fall apart. And it comes under the overpass. And we turn around and we read number four. This is the vehicle of righteousness. But hold on a minute. It's self-righteousness. This guy, he's driving this old jalopy, Benny. Boy, he thinks he's really got something. Boy, he thinks he's really got something to be proud of. But the little does he know, what he has is wretched. What he has is going to fall apart. What he has is nasty and filthy and destroyed. What he has is not sufficient. Let me tell you what's taking a whole lot of people to hell this morning, ladies and gentlemen. It's folks thinking that they're good enough to go to heaven without Jesus. And I tell you, God says, when he looks at you as good of a person as you may be, your righteousness is as filthy rags in the sight of God. Here's what Solomon said. He said, there's a way... There's a highway, if you will, that seems right to a man, but the end is the ways of destruction and death. You say, oh, preacher, i tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to restrain myself. I'm not going to drink. I'm not going to cuss. I'm not going to take dope. I'm going to dress right. I'm going to do everything that the preacher says. And you should do that, by the way, according to the Scripture. But are you listening to me? You can do everything that this man of God says every week. But if you've never been born again, your righteousness stinks in the nostrils of God and you'll go to hell in your self-righteousness. There's not enough bad habits you can quit. There's not enough new leaves you can turn over to get you to heaven when you die. If you live and clean all by itself was enough to get you to heaven, then Jesus died in vain on the cross, ladies and gentlemen. Let me tell you what the Mormons believe. They believe in salvation based on works. 
they believe that if you don't drink coffee and tea and don't eat shrimp and <clears throat> lobster and all that good stuff and you do good works and you wear them special magic panties to the temple that you'll go to heaven when you die. That's the stupidest thing I've ever heard in my life. Is that not stupid? That's the stupidest thing I've ever heard in my life. Man, I just want to tell them, just get saved and you can drink all the sweet tea and eat all the shrimp and wear whatever underwear you want to from here to glory. Say amen. Now I know shrimp and tea and all that good stuff will kill you, but glory to God, what a way to go, preacher. Is everybody okay? Are y'all all right? People say, well, i tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to keep the law. There's only one problem with that, honey. Nobody's ever kept the law except for Jesus, and they crucified Him. Hey, you're guilty of breaking the law of God. You are a sinner. Can I tell you that you're a sinner, and you can't help it because you were born that way. <laughs> Have you ever thought about why God gave Moses the Ten Commandments on tablets of stone? It's because stone doesn't bend. You either keep it, or you break it. And God said we're breakers of the law. Therefore, we're all sinners. Doesn't that make sense? And our righteousness, your Bible says, is as filthy rags in the sight of God. And if you think living good enough and being clean enough and being friendly enough and being sweet enough is going to get you into heaven, let me tell you something, Granny. Sweet grandmas go to the same hell that dirty whores go to if they've never been saved. I've said it before and I'll say it again. We've got to quit thinking that middle-aged people who lie, steal, damn, cheat, and play the lottery are the only people that go to hell. Can I tell you this morning, sweet grandmas go to hell. Nice old grandpas go to hell. Young people go to hell. Teenagers go to hell. <coughs> the common ground that we all have, ladies and gentlemen, is that we'll all go to hell no matter what we are, no matter who we are. If we've never been saved, if we've never been to Calvary, we're not going to heaven because we're sweet and because we're good. We're going to go to heaven because we've been born again. Self-righteous has never justified anybody in the sight of God. Yes, people, sometimes this is what they'll say, preacher. You'll say, are you going to go to heaven when you die? They'll say, well, I hope so. I think so. Uh, uh, under God, this is, the, this is the one that kills me right here. I'm trying to. I, I, I'm trying my best. And I, I'm hoping the good will outweigh the bad and the Lord will have mercy on me and I'll go to heaven. Can I tell you something, ladies and gentlemen? The good will never outweigh the bad. If Jesus doesn't step on your side of the scale, you're going to be weighed in the balance and found wanting. Why, preacher? Because we're all dirty. We're all rotten. We're all sinners. We're all nasty and we should have been in hell with our backs broke a long time ago. And the only reason that we're not is because of the grace of Almighty God that rescued us from the road of destruction. I say to you this morning, ladies and gentlemen, there's a whole lot of people on the highway to hell in this vehicle that we call self-righteousness. Now let me close. Let me say this real quickly and I'm done. There's a few things that all these vehicles on the highway to hell have in common, Joanne. Are you listening to me? First of all, I want to point out that no matter what their situation is, 
all these people that are on the highway to hell don't even realize what direction their vehicle's headed in. I don't believe anybody in their right mind says, boy, I just I, I want to go to hell when I die. I'm, I'm just stupid enough to believe that these people that are on the highway to hell, they don't even know what direction they're going in. Second problem they all have is they don't have the ability to change directions on their own. They do not have the ability to turn around and make a U-turn and go the, direct, the other direction, not on their own. I'll tell you the third problem I see. There's no brakes. You say, I'm going to stop. I'm, I'm going to bring this thing to a halt. You go ahead, you put your foot on the brake. You go ahead, you put your foot on the brake, and she'll go to the floorboard. You're on a downhill sled ride to hell without any brakes and without any control. Are you listening to me? There's absolutely nothing you can do to rescue yourself from the dilemma you're in. You're born this way. We're sinners. We can't help it. We're on this broad road. We're on this highway to hell, and many of us don't even realize it until the moment we're in right now. Man, you're lost. What are you going to do, preacher? Uh, I mean, you're lost. You're on the highway to hell. There's nothing you can do about it in yourself. But wait a minute. Between here and hell, there's one exit. And it's called faith. There's one exit on the highway to hell, and it's called faith. And you get off of the exit of faith, and you turn right on Repentance Avenue, and guess what? All of a sudden, you find yourself on that straight and narrow road, preacher, going in a completely opposite direction. It's the road that Jesus was talking about. And it's there, and it's only there, ladies and gentlemen, that you can change the direction of your life. I've got good news for you, honey. If you're here this morning and you're lost between here and hell, there is one exit. By faith, you can get off the highway to hell. You say, I'm tired of this road to hell. What can I do? Hey, it's real simple. Get off of it. Run to Jesus. Accept what He did on Calvary and get born again by the grace of God. Get off the broad road to hell and get on the straight road that leads to life everlasting. Hey, that'll make a Methodist say amen. So I just wonder this morning. Let's stand with our heads bowed, our eyes are closed. <coughs> I'm talking about the highway to hell. You say, oh, I'm preacher, I'm saved. Can I ask you a question? Wouldn't it bother you to stand up here tonight on this overpass and watch your children pass underneath and head down the road that leads to hell? What about your daddy? What about your mama? What about your husband? What about your wife? What about your sister? What about the folks you work with? What about your neighbors? What about your grandchildren? They're headed down the highway to hell, ladies and gentlemen, with no headlights, no brakes, and no hope. So what are you going to do? You say, preacher, I'm saved. Can I just tell you, ladies and gentlemen, this morning, that the reality of a literal burning hell ought to break your heart for all the people that you know are going to go there one day. There's one exit and it's called faith, ladies and gentlemen. You want an invitation? All right, here's your invitation right here. I want to ask you a question and I'm finished. I'm not asking for raised hands. I'm not asking for anything. I just want you to think about what I'm getting ready to say. I wonder how many of us in this building this morning are willing to die 
in the shape that we're in? Sir, are you willing to die in the shape you're in? If your car doesn't make it back to your driveway, are you prepared to meet God in the shape you're in this morning? I've got good news for you, friend. You don't have to go to hell. You don't have to end up at the end of the road to destruction. You can be saved. You can leave this place born again and changed by the power of God. Hey, don't let the devil rock you to sleep, sir. Don't let the devil take you to hell, ma'am. Let Jesus change your life and take you off the highway to hell. Don't put it off. Don't wait. Jesus wants to save you, honey. Jesus wants to take you off the highway to hell if you'll just let Him. The Bible says that God is not willing that any, that means you, should perish. The Bible says that for God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that the world includes you this morning, honey. Father... I thank you, God, for the Word of God. I thank you for this thought, Lord. I pray, God, that you'll accomplish what needs to be accomplished in this place, sir. Lord, I can't, but I know that you can. And, God, I pray in the next few moments, Lord, that you would do what needs to be done in Jesus' name. Amen. Y'all stay as long as you need to. Preacher, I think that if we realized and I've said it here before that 13 miles beneath our feet is a literal burning hell if we just get a hold of that concept that it's not some spooky place that's far off in another galaxy in another universe I'm talking about a place that's real I'm talking about a place that's only 13 miles beneath where your feet are in the heart of this earth The Bible teaches that heaven's above and hell's below. I wonder if we could really get a hold of that, preacher. Would it change our outlook? Would it change our perspective? Would it change our evangelism?